This is the Modern Stoicism Podcast. I'm your host, Adam. Joining me on the podcast this week is Casey Pierce. Casey is an author and editor. She is the CEO of Red Pen Media. She is also a creator and brand ambassador for SourcePoint Press. Casey was recently featured in an article by Donald Robertson entitled Stoicism and Comics. I'm here with uh, Casey Pierce today. Casey, thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you. This is a, such a delight. So Casey, you were recently featured in an article by Donald Robertson called Stoicism and Comics. Yes, I was. Yeah, so you in that article, you talk a little bit about um, how you got into uh, Stoicism. How, how did you first become interested in Stoicism? You know, I always say I was a Stoic and didn't know it. Um, I didn't know anything about Stoicism. I was only familiar with it as it says in the article. Um, in the lowercase terms, being strong and silent, um, I didn't know it had anything to do with sort of emotional uh, resilience. And I had just finished Eckhart Tolle, um, New Earth. And I'm at that point in my life where, as we talked before the podcast, where um, I'm sort of becoming a lint roller of mentors and wisdom and anything that can improve the quality of my life. Like, you know, why not? So uh, I love Audible. And like I said, I had just finished Eckhart Tolle's book and How to Think Like a Roman Emperor uh, kept coming up. And I'm like, you know what? That sounds pretty badass. Like, I've seen Gladiator. I want to rule like a Roman emperor. That sounds awesome. And then as I'm listening to it, um, it opens with Marcus Aurelius's death and how Stoics and he viewed uh, viewed death and, and coped with it. And it was perfect because at this time in my life, my mother has Alzheimer's and I'm, I'm sort of, I'm looking for a way to cope with that at this point. And, um, you know, it's the long goodbye and, you know, I'm trying to just be okay with it. And that really helped. And I'm so glad that straight out of the gate that the book opened up with that. And then as, you know, I'm listening to it as I'm jogging and I would hear quotes from Epictetus and uh, Aurelius. And I'm like, you know what? I've always thought this way. I've always had this outlook, except I called it being a mercenary where I wouldn't let um, value judgments cloud my thought process uh, and cripple me. So I could do what was necessary. And I'm always a necessary person. And uh, even in my comics, you, you're fine. Like Nora, she's a very necessary person. You know, it's, it, it's the art of being indifferent. And I really attribute that to the success of my career because it helped me make decisions without being scared. Like really, what's the worst that can happen? Is it this really something that you can't bounce back from if it doesn't work out? Probably not. So you might as well just do it. And that's how, you know, as I said, how I got where I am today, really. So did you feel like there was one thing or, or a pivotal part of the practice of stoicism that you felt resonated with you? Like, is, was it like, was there any distinct delineated thing where you could say this, this absolutely was the light bulb moment for me? Absolutely. Uh, I think my, my favorite quote, it can only harm or it can only ruin your life if it ruins your character. Otherwise, it cannot harm you inside or out. Um, that really resonated with me. It's my favorite quote because it's never the end of the world, really. And, and I blame social media 
for a lot of lack in emotional resilience in the times that we're living in now, because I had accepted the fact that, you know, pain is inevitable and suffering is a choice. So going into any decision, I would sort of practice um, what would, how would I feel if this turned out negatively? And then I wouldn't manifest it, but I'd still rehearse it. Okay, I'm going to brace myself for that. But really, I expect the outcome to be very positive, um, especially in the long run and sort of that view from above. And um, I think that social media uh, has given people license to commiserate about the most mild things that, you know, they act like they're the first person to have a bad day or the first person to get their heart broken. And then they get all these white night comments and they start to commiserate and they just wallow in their own misery. I'm like, do you realize how much you are standing in your own way? There is no way you're going to cope and move on from this. You know, if you keep uh, uh, allowing yourself to sort of take the podium on social media and, uh, self-aggrandize and um, just lament. And, um, you know, that I feel like, you know, I've always thought, you know what, this didn't break me. So obviously it's, it's shaping my character in some way or another. Maybe I won't understand right now, but either way, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm still doing my thing. And I plan on doing a lot more. So I'm not going to let layers and layers of value judgment stand in my way. That's a really interesting point because um, the difficulty you express with social media, certainly um, it echoes something that was part of Marcus' life um, itself, which was uh, Marcus would write letters. He had many letters with many of his uh, colleagues, his physician, his tutors, things like that. And what's interesting, and um, I can't remember how much in depth this go, the, uh, Donald Robertson goes into this with uh, how to think like a Roman emperor, but Marcus would write letters commiserating with one of his closest aides about, and they would they would lament their their uh, physical ailments, like they would be like, ah, yeah. I, you know, I I hurt my back the other day or whatever, and they would sort of, you know, complain about it to each other. But interestingly, I find just as you have found that when um, you know. Marcus struggles with this in his own life. He writes in the meditations, and I know that this is highlighted in his writings. He writes in the meditations that, um, as you've quoted already, like you cannot um, allow this to uh, to take over. You you really feel his struggle with it, and he tries to keep reminding himself, you know, um, if one man can get by, um, if one man can get through this, then all, that means that it is possible, and I therefore, as a man, can also get through this. Right. Um, that's a, I'm trying to paraphrase the quote because ultimately I don't, I think uh, today it easily can be applied to anything. It's like if anyone can do this, certainly that means that it is possible and I can therefore do it as well. Right. And that, you know, it's funny that you say that because I have had multiple sclerosis since I was 26. So for about nine years now and um, on my journey to, cause I'm someone you can't tell me, you don't know why I have what I have. I'm going to try to research and try to make some sense out of it. And along that journey, I've read a lot of, you know, forums and even opinions from doctors saying, you know, because it's a very strange disease for those who aren't familiar, you know, they could range from, you know, all of a sudden, you know, your arm goes weak, the side of your face is paralyzed, or maybe you're walking with a gimp one day. Um, 
or maybe you're experiencing burning or pain, things like that. And it's a neurological disorder, right? And multiple sclerosis literally means scars on the brain. So it's the antibodies attacking the myelin sheath. So, but any doctor, neurologist, or somebody who has MS will tell you sometimes it's emotionally brought on. So I remember in Chicago at C2E2, and I posted this video too and explained what was happening. I felt like, I don't know if you've ever been in a car accident, but I felt like I had airbag burn all over my entire body. I was blowing on my limbs to keep cool because I just felt this internal burning. And I still went, now I'm not saying that you should do this. Like you, you push yourself to your limits, no matter what, that's not what I'm saying. Take care of yourself. You know, I rested when I wanted to, but I also didn't lean into the feeling. You can exacerbate your own symptoms um, by sort of feeding into it and then telling other people and lamenting about it. Because, and, you know, that over also overlaps with my belief in law of attraction, which I found um, stoicism did a lot. Um, but it's like, you know, you're making your own reality here to an extent. If you can make things worse, you can make things worse emotionally. You can make things worse physically. You know, obviously you're still here. You're still strong. And, um, you know, this is all temporary, especially with MS. Like most of it is, uh, in, thankfully in, in my case is a temporary thing because I'm relapsed remit. Um, you know, all of a flare up and then it goes away, flare up goes away. Sometimes it lasts a week, sometimes it lasts for six months. Um, but either way, I know that there's going to be an end to this so long as I don't keep feeding it. So very much, it seems like you picked up on the, um, there's a running theme throughout all, all of stoicism, which is this idea of what is and isn't in your control. And certainly, um, Marcus would talk about this from the perspective of, what Pierre Hadot calls the inner citadel, which is essentially this idea that your mind is your is your citadel and you can control the things that you think and feel. So these these outside things, as you've said, you may have a a um uh is episode the right term? I don't know if that's the right term. Yeah, yeah a flare up episode. Right. You might have a flare up or an episode. Yeah, but then but then and that may be out of your control. However, how you interpret that moment what you do in that moment is certainly up to you that choice that you make um so do you feel so do you feel like that do you feel like that's kind of what you're speaking about here it's this idea that you are you are you're a master of your own mind and you have the ability to to interpret that situation as you see fit absolutely absolutely i mean there's a, there's a silver lining to everything so going back to like my last flare up uh lasted for about six months and it and I'm a writer right so I it was weakness in my right arm my right hand it to the point where I could barely type and um I wound up um but we didn't know what it was at first because my MS had never acted like that before and I injured myself on the job so I wound up going on workman's comp last August so uh, a year ago and I was going through therapy. I was seeing different, uh, you know, doctors and, um, I, they're like, are you sure that this isn't your MS? I'm like, it's never acted like that. I wanted to believe that it wasn't, you know, because it, 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 it's always scary when you do have a flare up. Um, and then fast forward, you know, I'm going through physical therapy, all that stuff. And they're like, you know, let's get an MRI. And as it turns out, there was a lesion on my brainstem. 
So I got the therapy I needed though. And I'm, I'm glad that I knew what it was. But um, as soon as I was about to go back to work in March, COVID hit. But, and then I had all this like, okay, well, I obviously can't work now. So I've had an entire year where I was able to learn new things, go to school. And I was making the most, even though I was having a flare up and I was obviously injured, I'm like, you know what? Time is a gift no matter what. And I'm going to really use this time. And look at all the great things that happened during this time, you know? Um, I mean, I'm, I found this book and uh, I met Donald Robertson. Like that was really, really cool. And now uh, I'm talking to you. So, and that is just the tip of the iceberg as to all the wonderful things that have happened this past year. So thank God for that flare up, you know, like I said, there's always a a silver lining to everything. And I do believe in divine guidance and, you know, things of that nature. But, um, you know, you have to acknowledge, you know, what's currently happening, but also like, okay, we're here and that's fine. What's next? So you, um, Thank you for sharing that with us, by the way. I, oh, I don't really? know. I don't, that's a, that's a, obviously a very personal story. I think a great question I'd love to ask is, was there a practice of some kind, either, either stoic or not, that you were employed in your recovery that um, was, you could say, pivotal? What, like you've obviously spent the time reflecting on the fact that there's um, – now time for you to be able to do certain things to grow and improve yourself as you, as you would like to see yourself. Um, but did you, did you ever have a practice that, uh, that maybe you included through this time? Are you, a, excuse me, are you a journaler? Are you a, um, do you spend time doing any visualizations of any kind? Like, was there one specific kind of thing like that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I do a lot of meditation. In fact, during this time I became certified in meditation and not just one of those $25 drive through deals either. It was took a lot of time to find this school. So um, I became certified in uh, meditation and mindfulness. And I do a lot of um, cognitive visualization, but of the things that I desire to unfold in my life. And um, after reading like Eckhart Tolle's book, uh, A New Earth, for example, you know, he said, you know, the mind, you know, we always thought that you know, you, you want to have control over the mind, but really the mind is not your friend. You know, you have to be able to, um, see within the mind, the ego, and then there's you, and you have to be able to separate the two. And that's how I learned what truly being awakened is, is you have to be able to say, okay, that hurt, but did it hurt me or did it hurt my ego? And, um, you know, and those are things that I would meditate on. And in terms of things like journaling, I would do journaling after meditation, you know, a a little bit here and there, but, um, my writing, my work, you know, what's currently published and what's about to be published, especially, um, also helped me, uh, cope through any situation. You can always tell where I'm at in my life by my next book. So are there, are, do you think, do you think that there specifics to either stoic practice or just mindfulness practice in general that have made it into this latest book Uh, that's coming out? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And what's funny to me is that I had like the main character is actually a philosophy teacher 
Now, this was before I got into stoicism or anything like that. Um, and sh there is a Socrates quote in there that says, I think, therefore I am. And um, this book is a paranormal space opera about Alzheimer's. And it's called The Other People Who Live Here. And so it was helping me cope with the grim reality of Alzheimer's. And I had set out to not only tell um, a patient's story and what they go through, but what the family goes through, because that's sort of something we don't talk about in polite conversation. And um, I wanted to highlight their struggles, but put a positive spin on it. So as this main character is, uh, is coping, you know, it's called the other people who live here. And obviously, um, you know, people with who know people with Alzheimer's and dementia will tell you sometimes they see people that aren't there or hallucinations. And there's a scene where her friend is trying to tell her, you know, perhaps she's reverting back to an innate ability where, you know, children talk to ghosts and things like that. Maybe she's reverting back to that state or these people do actually exist. And, you know, she does play a role in um the people that she's seeing you know in their lives and she you know wants to say you know that that's hogwash you know he's trying to say she's manifesting a reality and and he makes it a point he kind of throws it in her face and says um you know well as you know socrates would say i think therefore i am and she wants to argue that it doesn't apply and he sort of fights back with her and says listen, you know, you're seeing so much hard academia in what you do. It's, it's, you desaturated, um, all of it and you're not seeing the true meaning of it. And, um, so, so yeah, <laughs> it's funny enough. There is a bit of stoicism in there and she does eventually accept this idea. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, and it's, uh, it's about emotional resilience through and through. I mean, if anything can tell you, anyone can tell you anything about emotional resistance, uh, resilience, it's an Alzheimer's caretaker because you can't sit there and just cry about it, about the deterioration of a human being, you know, some you love dearly, just fading away in front of you. You have to be there for that person. You cannot be crippled by grief. You have to do the next thing. You are taking care of them now. And then if you freak out, they're going to freak out. So you have to be like a soldier. And that is not only for their sake, but for your sake too, or you're going to go nuts. So there's a really interesting aspect of what you just said, which is, I guess it's parallel. It's it's covered a little bit in the article with Donald, but also just some of the, something that you just spoke about now piqued my interest on it. So as you said, you can choose to be, you can choose to grieve the loss of that person. Um, but I think something that I kind of picked up on from your article was that this person is not gone yet. And there's a, there's a practice within stoicism about where you recognize that the impermanence of things is reality. And instead, and you do have two choices here, which is to, um, give up on the thing right now and grieve right now, even, or you could recognize that it's not yet gone and you can instead choose to embrace the time that is remaining with that person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it, it sounded like you've kind of had that, you, this has been a, re, like a recurring thought for you because you are experiencing this um, situation in your own life of losing someone and then getting um, the chance to 
either you have two choices either to give up or to enjoy the remaining time. Right. Because if you sit there and you let yourself suffer in the value judgments that you've added to the situation, your judgments about the situation, you're not doing any favors for the affected person. You're really not. And you're uh, clouding your inability to make decisions and do what is necessary. And I would, like I said in the article, I would rather, you know, enjoy the time that I still have with my mother um, than to get wrapped up in these things and say, oh, I've been grieving for the past couple of years. It's like, no, I don't want to spend time like that. And my mother wouldn't want that for me either. Yeah. And this is something that comes up, I think, a lot, which is, you know, in this moment, there is a there is an there's a distinct impermanence um, as you speak about with the relationship you are maintaining with your mother. But there's it's also realization of the impermanence of ourselves. And and as you've said um, already, you know, during this time of recovery, you've decided to take on becoming certified in meditation and becoming certified um, in that mindfulness practice, which allows you, which you know allows you to grow and you know. Some a lot of people would choose to sit on the couch while recovering, which is I'm not going to fault them for that. That is their own choice. But <laughs> you know, you 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 seem to have really taken. A, it seems it sounds like you really took a step there to say, I have this time now. When will I have this time again? I may never have this time again. So I'm going to take this time now. Right. We we always say, oh, if I only had more time, and the universe was like, don't. Here you go. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I got really deep into meditation and I would make lists of things, you know, I, I call them goals, but really it's like, okay, these are the things that I want to manifest, the things that um, I, I want to learn how to obtain these things. So I'm going to take all the steps that I can. And, uh, and also, you know, in my meditations, I focus a lot on gratefulness and you'll find that the, the more grateful you are for certain things, the more those things will flow into your life. And I kept, just kept saying, I am so grateful for this time. This time is a gift. And guess what? I got more time. I got an entire year. You know, here we are a year later and I still have this time. And you know what? I'm still being taken care of. And that's another thing that I would always say out loud that I'm grateful for, that I don't have to worry about money. The money is going to be there. And also, I'm a very skilled and resilient person. So no matter what, I'm a survivor. So I'm really not worried. And I just sort of let go of resistance. And I am always taken care of. You know, I'm, I'm, there's always money in the bank. There's always food on the table. And I'm doing the things that I love. I'm talking to you now, talking about, uh, you know, a new passion of mine, which is stoicism. I'm talking to you about how I love to help other people, which is I, I absolutely do in, in any regard, and how I became certified in meditation because I want everyone to know that you can have power, that you can take your power back from the things that you have unknowingly given power. You know, it's uh, it's like Epictetus says, it is not enough to be hit or insulted to be harmed. You must believe that you are being harmed. If someone succeeds in provoking you, realize that your mind is complicit in the provocation, meaning that, you know, okay, you, you're going to hurt from, from somebody, somebody on social media, let's just say, for example, oh, that, that person, you know, really hurt me. And then you're really thinking about it and you're sort of wallowing in it. It's like, you do realize that you just gave power to that situation. You could have had the upper hand by not saying anything, saying, you know what, that hurt, but you know what, um, I'm going to get over it. It's just a feeling. 
you have to isolate the feeling and realize it was my ego that was hurt. And I'm not going to focus on this anymore. And the past, as Eckhart Tolle would say, is it's just a collection of data. It, it really is. And, it's, you know, you can carry it with you or you can choose not to. Um, and uh, so what I've tried to do is in my helping people, I always try to make people realize, listen, you have more power than what you realize. If you really took that view from above, um, you would see that. And so that's part of why um, I got into, you know, teaching meditation. I'm like, I want everyone to know, everyone to know that you are capable. And I, you know, there's a panel that I give or a, a seminar um, at Comic-Cons. I've done it all across the nation. Um, I've given it in Ireland. And the reason I give this panel, it's about, it's called Good Luck With That. And it's about how to succeed in indie comics, about marketing, branding, all that stuff. And I always open the panel with this. I say, you know what? I have been, uh, you know, sold out nationwide and overseas uh, and in Canada, you know, international selling out of books. I have a movie option sci-fi series um, and just going through all this list of accomplishments. And I say, you know what? And I do not have a degree in English. I don't have a degree in literature, journalism, nothing like that. Because people think that, you know, you have to have X, Y, Z in order to succeed. And really, it's your own willingness to learn and your own resilience. And I just end the intro right there and I say, and guess what? I'm a massage therapist. Because that's what was my day job. And I don't tell a lot of people that, but I tell that in the panel. And I go, I'm telling you this because if you can have the ability to just shut up and listen, then you can accomplish all of these things too. We are no different. There are so many aspects of what you've just said, which resound within the practices. So I, I, I really, I can absolutely see the train of thought that you were on when listening to Donald's book and then making that connection where you just went like, I already feel this way. So there are, I think there are many people out there who have an experience like yours where they listen to um, someone speak like Massimo or Donald, or they read even just a tweet from Massimo or Donald or listen to a three-minute podcast and they go, oh, but see, that's the, that's the thing that I was thinking about. So it's, a, it's amazing when those kinds of things happen. But um, it sounds like you already had a lot of this in your life going on, uh, going on. Um, and this is just more of a focal point, um, this philosophical practice. So do you feel now like all of those things are coming together now mixed with now stoicism being a very important thing to you as well as meditation and mindfulness? Do you feel like you are different now that you've um, taken this new step? I feel like I am more confident that um, I'm, I'm on the right track, I guess, that there is a name for my outlook because, you know, and, and I've read articles about this too, you know, misconceptions and stoicism, um, people complaining, why is stoicism popular again? It's being emotionless or that I, I am being emotionless or I'm being cold in my decision-making and um, that that's not true at all. What it is, is for me, it's putting reserves in the tank for the things that matter. We only have so much energy. So I would rather reserve my energy for the things that matter, you know, uh, loving other people, um, 
you know, my, my books and experiencing joy and making new friends and making new connections and inspiring people than I would in, oh, I can't believe that guy said that about me on social media. Can you believe that? Yeah, you have a very distinct response to those kinds of things in your in your responses to Donald in the article where you simply say in all capitals, I don't have time for that. I don't. I don't. No one does. No one does. And they're giving away their time. They're giving away their power. And they look at me and say, oh, you're so even keeled. You're such a centrist. I wish I could be like you. Well, yes, you can be like me. It's 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 very interesting because there's also like there's a phrase and I'll paraphrase it, but you know, it's like you reflect that which you keep around you. So ultimately, if you surround yourself with these negative things, they can start to take over and you have the choice whether or not to allow them to take control to, to, to get to get real estate in your mind, as it were. Absolutely. And you know, what's funny, I'll, I'll tell you another story that's kind of personal. So my last breakup is a perfect example of um, stoicism, because if there is one stoic in this world uh, that I, I know personally, besides Donald and you, is uh, is my editor, uh, Travis McIntyre of SourcePoint Press. And I remember when I was driving away from the house, I didn't choose to call a girlfriend to be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You want to come over, you know, and then have wine and commiserate. I wanted somebody who was going to give it to me in black and white. Did I make the right decision? And I called him up first thing and he went through, you know, he, he took the view from above and he was like, you know what, Casey, to be honest with you, this is probably the best thing in the long run. You know, we've all known you've been unhappy for X amount of time and, and things like that. He would give me the cold, hard facts, but it wasn't being cold or hard. He was doing it out of love. He's like, I want you to see that you did make the right choice. And it didn't include a bunch of, oh, I'm so sorry. Blah, 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 blah. No, because that was not going to help me. If you love and care about me, you know, and you want to help me cope through the situation, which he did, you know, and we're really good. We've been good friends for, for so long. Um, then you will give me the tools to cope in my weakest hour. So, I mean, one of the interesting things that I've learned in this conversation that you and I have had is that you have really done your homework. It sounds like it didn't just end with you read how to think like a Roman emperor. And then you said, now I'm a stoic. You've been quoting Epictetus. You've been even quoting Socrates. as We've been talking. Um, where do you think this is going to go next for you in terms of your practice? I am so excited because I was reserving it for this podcast. I have decided um, now I've a partnered with my uh, nephew who um, produces tracks um, to uh, create a series of guided meditations that are based in stoicism. But I will also be offering very soon. Um, I don't, I don't like the term life coach, but I'm going to use it for a lack of wit right now. Um, I'm going to um, be offering life coaching services uh, that are rooted in stoicism uh, to help people cope through certain situations. Well, that, I mean, that's really amazing. Thank you so much for showing, uh, sharing that with us today on the podcast. I mean, certainly uh, I would, I'm very interested to hear about these guided meditation practices that you'll be putting together um, as well as, as well as everything else. I mean, you know, one thing we find within 
stoicism as you've as you've noted probably from the book is this idea of the contemplation of the sage where you you want someone you know at some point stoics will tell you like you need to have some guidance you need to find someone who you wish to emulate so certainly you know i think there are people out there who are looking for that kind of guidance and would like to know what they can do next so i very much wish you absolute luck with that it certainly sounds exciting thank you uh before we wrap up is there anything you'd like to maybe add today um or something that you think we should talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Um, you know, it's, it's funny because Donald had brought up that um, he was speaking to the Marines about Stoicism. They had the Marines and, and military, um, Daryl Mattis, had them reading Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. And that made sense to me because a lot of my outlook um, and my ability to just go ahead and make decisions and not cloud it and spend time in grief um, is because my father was in Vietnam. You know, my father is a very necessary uh, man. He's a very loving man, but he's always um, very necessary. And I'm a, I'm a total daddy's girl. So I think that's where a lot of it came from at first, if we're going way back to the roots. So one thing I would suggest then, um, I don't know, and you may already know about this, but um, there is a, if you've ever heard of James Stockdale. Mm-mm. James Stockdale was um, a fighter pilot. I think he was a, uh, an Air Force general, and he was, I think, the highest ranking member of the U.S. military to be shot down over Vietnam. And he wrote a series of lectures that ended up becoming a book called, um, I think it's called Thoughts of a Philosophical Fighter Pilot. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, it's actually about... Um, it's actually about his time. He speaks a lot about his time being a prisoner of war. And he has a very famous quote where he says, he said, um, when he was in it, uh, when his parachute had opened and he was floating down to the Vietnamese countryside and he can see North Vietnamese soldiers coming to, to pick him up. He says, I'm leaving the world of, I think it was something like I'm leaving the world of Isaac Newton or something like that. Meaning I'm leaving the world of, of high technology and entering the world of Epictetus. And, uh, and he absolutely applied these principles there. So I would highly suggest you check that out because, because it is, because there is a, there is going to be someone from this era similar to your father, father's, um, experience who, who, uh, actually had some very interesting writings on that. So I would suggest that for you if, if it's okay for me to make a suggestion. Yeah. I just wrote it down. Okay. So James, <laughs> James Stockdale, S-T-O-C-K-D-A-L-E. So, um, I guess I'd like to wrap it up today by making sure that I say thank you so much uh, for being with us on the podcast today, Casey Pierce. Um, thank you for being with us. I had a great time. Thank you so much, Adam. I'd like to thank Casey Pierce for being with us on the podcast today. If you'd like to find out more about Casey's work, you can find her on Twitter at Cosmic Casey. You can find her on Instagram at KCD Writes. You can find her books, Nora, Cirrus, and Pieces of Madness, and Nora, Issue 1 of Volume 2, has just been released in comic stores. Thanks for listening to the Modern Stoicism podcast this week. If you'd like to learn more, head over to modernstoicism.com where you can find articles, courses, our Patreon, and other resources. This week on the Stoicism Today blog, Matthew Sharp has written an article entitled Stoicism and Bullying. You've been listening to the Modern Stoicism podcast, the official podcast of modernstoicism.com. Check out all of our episodes at modernstoicismpodcast.buzzsprout.com 
And if you like this content, consider rating us or giving us a thumbs up on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find us on Patreon, where patrons get access to exclusive digital content. All music provided by bensound.com.